This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, what do teachers need from Canadians? We talk an awful lot about going back to school and everything that we want. Well, what do the teachers need? Jason Schilling, president of the Alberta Teachers Association, joins the shift to share the challenges teachers are facing as kids get back to school in Alberta and across the country. Handy Eddie Barrar is back with some DIY tips for getting rid of epoxy that goes wrong and how not to plant blueberry bushes. Andy helps you build a high-tech preparedness kit for National Preparedness Month as well. Not to mention, he also explains how he recycled those failed blueberries as well. Plus, are you okay with Taco Bell? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. Are you okay? Are you okay with Taco Bell? Yes. Yes. Oh, I don't know. Love Taco Bell. I don't know. Taco Bell's amazing. And the last time I ordered, which was on Sunday, or no, Saturday, they gave me an extra order of fries for free. I, they just threw in a whole extra order of fries and they put a little smiley face on the bag. They did not give me any extra packets of ketchup or hot sauce, but they gave me fries. Uh, but no, yeah, I love Taco Bell. Man. Well, now it's been years since I've had Taco Bell, but I must say I do recall the fries supreme being supreme. Yes. Very good. With the Very fake good. cheese. Yeah. Mm. I did drive all the way across Calgary to get to a Taco Bell. I think there's only one actual drive-through left because you can get them from the pickup, like the takeaway stores, but the actual drive-throughs. And um, it was absolutely not worth it, but still, oh, so good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. They don't have the uh, cheesy chili burrito anymore. That was disappointing. No, but I think I just settled for the cheesy gordilla crunch, which is the you know the oh, taco wrapped oh, in yeah. a tortilla that's got cheese, and then you get the Dorito shell taco. Oh, yeah, I remember that mm. being good too. Yeah. Okay, I'm right gonna hit up a Taco Bell here at this point. Yeah, yeah man, night, do it late night Taco Bell. Okay, mm. regardless of what it does to you, it does taste good. At uh, Taco Bell's sauce uh, is cherry, um, and Taco Bell's sauce is cherry on top. Is the is the cherry on top? Is the cherry on top? Do you do you not have the button? I do. That's a typo. Okay, good. There, fix the button. Good. I made sure I fixed the button before we got into the segment, man. Because you're gonna need it. We're gonna need it. Start. And Taco Bell's sauce is cherry on top of a very greasy and crunchy meal, but there is a problem. There are billions of Taco Bell sauce packets that can't be recycled. Until now, question mark? The fast food chain is rolling out a nationwide pilot program for customers to send used sauce packets back to them. Dear God. So, oh, no. Okay, this is from ABC7. The fast food chain teaming up with recycling company TerraCycle on the new program. Customers can recycle the packets by mailing them the empty ones. Taco Bell says its goal is to save 8 billion pounds of used sauce packets from going into the landfill every year. Within the next four years, Taco Bell hopes all of its packaging will be recyclable or reusable. But here's an idea. How about you ha- don't hand me a handful of the yeah, sauce there's packages? There's that, too. They always give you five. I, <laughs> I end up with filled packets. I just I don't want need them. one. <laughs> that is true. They have a very good point. I, I only ever get two and i want five 
personally, because then I have extra that I can put on my breakfast. So just to be clear, they're going to take these programs, you're going to send them back by a Mm -hmm. diesel-powered or jet-fuel-powered plane or a (laughs) diesel-powered truck. So you can take these little plastic packets, and they're going to get put on the back of a truck, 8 billion pounds of it, which through the course of the year, that's a lot of heavy. Yeah. Um, And so then they're going to truck them back just so they can recycle them and have good marketing. Yeah, that's... But there's another issue here. According to ABC7... Yeah. I was just going to say, Taco Bell packets are not exactly clean when they're open and used. So the mail is going to get soggy with (laughs) sauce. So it's just, it's a great idea, but it's terrible. It's not going to work. It's not a great idea. It's a terrible idea. It's a nice notion to think that you could, how about they just don't serve the packs unless you're going to eat them? According to ABC7 last year, Taco Bell claimed it had ditched its popular Mexican pizza because of its packaging, which amounted to the use of more than 7 million pounds of paperboard per year. So we go through the drive-through and get single-use waxed paper cups and plastic lids, which we complain about the lids because they spill all over, so they put 30% more plastic in the lids. And then we're going to take these plastic salsa squeezies, and we're going to now ship them via truck or by airplane to a recycling place to recycle them. Oh, what is this world coming to? My It's goodness. pretty bizarre. I love that they want to go to fully recyclable. I love it when uh, I order from A&W and all of the packaging, I can literally just throw in the compost because everything they use is compostable, right? I think that's great. This is a cool idea, but this is the dumbest possible way to transition. You can't compost recyclable. the cups, it's, That's the only thing. You can't, just to be clear, you can't compost the cups. Yes, no, that, those goes in the garbage, but yes. Yeah. All right. Silver ribbon for trying. Yeah. Are you okay? Now, natural follow-up to the Taco Bell story. Mm -hmm. Are you okay with potty training? I mean, well, I suppose since I'm the only one here that's had to do it for another day. Yeah, I don't know what to say here. It's a necessity. You guys, right? You guys had to do it. Yes, and I guess we were successful, right? Right, Ryan. I'm. I am assuming very much so that you were successful. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to judge. Um, it's not something parents want to do, but you really have to do it. And girls are way better at it than boys. Girls yeah. are just way smarter in general. It's a safe statement. It can take a human weeks to be potty trained, and it turns out it might be easier to potty train a cow. Really? Yep. We aren't bullshifting this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ryan is sitting waiting and waiting for waiting. me to say that line. Yes. While we aren't bullshifting this, scientists are learning how to potty train cows for the good of the planet. They're going to take it and they're going to stuff it in the little plastic packets from Taco Bell and they're oh, going to ship it across oh, the country. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it only took 15 days to train the young calves to be potty trained. Here's more from King 5. 
Now researchers say teaching cows to use what is essentially a giant litter box could help out as well. Agricultural runoff is a huge polluter, contaminating waterways and even sometimes making people sick. But cow urine mixing with feces also produces ammonia, which pollutes the air. And according to the EPA, 10% of all emissions come from agriculture, which is why agricultural researchers have invented this, a device they call the Mulu. It's designed to capture all of the waste a cow might produce. Despite conventional knowledge, cows can control their bowel movements and urination. So researchers taught a bunch of cows to use the mulu, finding that not only could they train the creatures to use the device in exchange for food, but that they could be trained faster than most human children, allowing all of their waste to be captured and treated before entering the ecosystem. Do you know why they train the cows faster than human children? Why? Because cows don't have opposing thumbs that are attached to an iPad. Mm, yeah. It's probably true. Yeah. The mulu apparently works, but they only trained cows to use the mulu to urinate to not poop. Really? This is where we've come to. Apparently While this the, is amazing. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and I, I've done some extensive reading to make sure this story was as detailed as possible. The pee is more of the problem because you can use the poop for fertilizer and good mm -hmm. stuff. But the, the, the other stuff is not so good. And I watched a video of this happening, oh. and it's <laughs> it's weird because the cow is like acting like a cat in a litter box. It's crazy. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, question. Yes. After you do this, do you delete your browsing history so no one finds it just because they don't? I don't know. I I want to say honestly, I I think about that. I, I would say if I do four are you okay's a day, I think about do I need to change my history or delete it on at least three of them, just mm -hmm. for how bizarre the headlines are, especially this yeah. year. Okay, so this is amazing. It doesn't solve the number one pollutant caused by cows, which is farting. Cow farts contain lots of ozone trapping gases. A study author author. <laughs> study author. author 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 no just author. study author i don't know why there's two authors there thank you study author lindsey matthews told king five cows can't be trained not to belch or fart they would blow up i think that's true for all of us science nice okay all right we're just gonna move along how about that mm -hmm. okay let's get started with the next story out of context Wow, it's a little early for ice cream. <laughs> it's never too early for ice cream, Jim. But we didn't have any ice cream. So this is mayonnaise and black olives. Oh, oh my It's God. comfort food, all right? God. If there is two things in this world I cannot eat, <laughs> those would be them. <laughs> Are you okay with mayonnaise and black olives? Uh, together. Yeah. Not as like a bowl, but on a sandwich. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Are you okay? Are you okay with dessert? As long as it's not mayonnaise and black olive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dessert's the best meal. Uh, I don't know. I'm not big on the sweets, but... Yeah, yes, I'm, sweet. I'm a big sweet guy. I've got... Oh, you just reminded me. I've got some Sour Patch Kids. In my snack drawer. Nice. I'm going to eat those while Snacks. no one's paying attention. See, I, when I hit the vending machine here, of course, it's usually the cheesies or the, the chips. It's the never Hawkins. the sweeties. Mm -hmm. Never do the sweets. I do get chocolate from time to time. Not often. 
Um, nothing better than ice cream cake after a long day's work. And if you listen to how Ryan writes it, a whole cake. Unless you're Cristiano Ronaldo, the world-famous soccer player, might also be the healthiest man in the world. This is his diet. Breakfast. Cheese. Hame. Low-fat yogurt. <laughs> hey, man. Just wow. A, just listening to the band Hame on repeat while I'm waking up. That's a good typo. I like that one. Cheese. Ham. Low-fat yogurt. Mm-hmm. Lunch one. Yep. Plain chicken and salad. Lunch two, tuna, olives, boiled eggs, and tomatoes. Snacks, fresh fruit, and avocado toast. Uh, he, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately for him, he can afford avocado toast. Yeah. Yes. Dinner one, fresh swordfish and salad. <laughs> Dinner two, steak and calamari. He regards chicken as magical due to its high protein and low fat content. Hmm. He also makes sure his teammates are eating healthy. He is, uh, he is so important to Manchester United and influential that the rest of his team are terrified of eating junk food now. Here is goalie Lee Grant on why Ronaldo won't let them eat cake. So as you guys will be aware, you finish your dinner and usually, uh, on a Friday night, you've got a few sort of cheat stuff out. You've got a bit of an apple crumble and custard or you've got a, um, bit of brownie and cream or whatnot. I, I tell you now, not one player touched <laughs> the apple crumble and custard. Not one player went up for that brownie because everybody was sort of, I t- was sat down on, the, on our table for, for pre-match and straight away one of the lads went to me, what's Cristiano got on his plate? So we're all having a little goosey gander over what he's got. And obviously it's the cleanest, most healthy plate you can imagine. And it just cracked me up how not one single player dared get up and uh, take that junk food on, which was laid out. Um, but listen, this guy is in incredible shape, incredible shape. He's actually got now, well, he's got the second best body behind me now. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that. He also can afford a chef. Yeah, he posts pictures. It's the same picture every time of him just looking like a toddler eating chicken nuggets and peas or something. And it's like the, you know, the overhead shot with them smiling. But it's him just staring at a completely plain chicken and a bowl of tomatoes. It's not an exciting diet. But if you look at him, that man's going to live till he's like 230. You watch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you watch what'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna have like a billion dollars. Yeah. And something silly health wise is gonna happen. You, you can never know, man. Smoking cigarettes yeah. and whiskey every day. A lot of a mm-hmm. lot of older folks say that that's the secret. I know that I'm just gonna add hame to my shopping list this week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't I go wrong. Uh, uh what aisle is hame in, by the way? Hame. You know, anybody know? With more hame? vitamin E. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you okay with hikes? Yeah, I live in... I have to be. Like, that's all people want to do here. It's, it's like, friend calls you up for the first time in four months. It's like, you want to go for a hike? It's like, okay, what else are we going to do? It's all people do. They love their hikes here. Going on hikes is the national pastime of Canadians between the ages of 21 and 25. And that's not a real stat. It's a fake stat that Ryan made up, but it's very believable if you look at millennial Instagram. But you're only allowed to go on a hike if you wear tight pants and you take the pictures from behind with the view. Just saying. When it comes to hiking, you have to be on the lookout for bears. And it's always best if the bears stay on the mountain. Hmm? That's a typo. I don't see a typo there. Mountain. On the mountain. Yeah, I see. But for country singer Brett Aldridge... 
he uh, his hike got off to a rocky start. Very well done. When it, Thank you. When a was very much not on the mountain. Oh, when a bear. I don't know where the bear went. He was clearly not on the mountain or in my script. He was it actually was in, his, in garage. his garage. Yeah. Uh, which my friend, by the way, calls his garage the car hole. Oh, yeah. Um, I hate that. <laughs> this week, Eldridge posted a video of the rerun after his bear entered a garage at a home in Asheville, North Carolina, and he was about to go on a hike, opened the garage door to go on a hike, had a new friend waiting to say hello, Aldridge wrote on Instagram. Uh, the video appears, the video shows the bear pulling the bin away from the garage wall, turning it over and trying to pry it open. Meanwhile, Aldridge and others were yelling to scare it off, and the way he scared the bear off was amazing. Hey, ow, ow, ow. No. Hey, get it. Out. Out. Is it a bear? Yes, yeah, oh, yeah. he's right he's in the garage. Out. Beepa, get over here. Get him. Out. Get out of here. Out. Out. Look. 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 In 2017, Eldridge posted a video of a snake rising itself, uh, raising itself out of a toilet while he was staying at a resort in Bahamas to celebrate the new year, which is my actual nightmare of seeing. So the bear went away without a meal. This is the Shift Podcast. Back to school. Back to school is, for the most part, done for everybody. It has been a heck of a week, I know, in our house, too. Lots of changes, new schools, all those things. And if you have um, have a child or have had a child who might be an adult now or, you know, maybe have a niece or a nephew or if you've ever met a child, that means that you probably have experienced back to school in some fashion, even maybe just watching TV and Staples TV commercials. So what is back to school? Well, it connects to everybody and actually connects to all of us more than you think. Now, this particular conversation is wrapped around the Alberta Teachers Association and Alberta. It's not very different across the country for the most part. Jason Schilling is here. He's the president of the ATA to help us understand back to school and how it went and what we need to be aware of for the future. Jason, um, I'm shy to ask, how was your week? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, the week has been, it's been a busy one. Back to school has been uh, a bit of a challenge, and um, it, but it's also, you know, there's a lot of excitement with back to school. Teachers like to go back to school to see their kids. Having taught for over 20 years, it's always my favorite time of the year to go back to the Staples commercial if you want. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You get to go back to school and work with your kids, but uh, coming back to school and during a pandemic, especially coming off the year that we had last year, um, as disruptive and as challenging it was where, where people were in classrooms and then pivoting online and, and then back in school and then pivoting online again, um, that roller coaster was quite challenging so we didn't want to see a repeat to that but having a clear not having a clear plan for a re-entry into school this year did cause a lot of anxiety and stress for uh, teachers and their and families and students well there's a lot of things that have changed right i mean Mm -hmm. we've got um we've got you know obviously covid which we'll talk about and all the mandates around that but these are a group of kids some of them have never they're going into say grade two and they've actually never really been to school yet right yeah right so there's that and um there's kids who depending on the family and the belief system some kids have never really been around their friends um in a very long time yeah and i mean there's a lot going on here that has a big impact on what 
what we're going to see. Do we forget about that? When we, when we hear provincial announcements, this and that, do we forget about those pieces and those kids, for example? And the grade two thing is great for me. And I also think about if you're in grade, depending on your high school, I guess, grade nine, grade 10, but if, if you were in grade eight when this hit, your grade nine was kind of a year, and now all of a sudden you're in grade 10 mm-hmm. was the last time you were truly in school. Yeah. And, you know, when we look as an association at the return to school and we put together this document in the summer, um, similar to what we did last summer, and it was our expectations, there's nine of them for a return to school in the fall. Several of them talk about the health and safety aspect of, of returning to school within the, the pandemic and with COVID. But several of them also are focused on the, um, the learning you know, the learning part of school, um, the mental health aspect of returning to school and the well-being of once students are there as well. So we looked at all aspects of that because you're absolutely right. I was talking to a teacher just today, actually, um, who uh, works with a bunch of teachers in uh, Calgary and said that, you know, um, they're teaching that the smaller kids coming into kindergarten or to grade one who didn't really have that sort of strong continuity of education last year. She said, they just don't know how to school yet. Right. So they're just starting school and not, as you were mm-hmm. saying, and not having been um, in a year that was really structured because of just so many different variety, variations have happened last year that uh, getting them caught up um, will be a big factor. And so we really wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, you take that health and safety aspect, put those really strong protocols in place so that people don't have to question it and just really focus on learning mental health and well-being because we know that those are big factors for this year as well. I think of... Um... I think of uh, bathroom, you know, put your hand up, go to the bathroom, ask to permission to go to the bathroom, right? I mean, those are the simple things. They're structures inside school that we don't often think of, but there's a lot of people that haven't had to think that way for so long. What a distraction that might be. So here we are back to school. My understanding in Alberta is the province has left it up to the the different uh, districts to decide um, what the mandates are going to be and how it all works. Is that, is that still the case? Yeah, that's still the case. And so they put a, a plan out at the end of June and said that we will, it was a return to normal. We're just going back to the way everything was, um, but we'll give you more detail mid-August. And so as August was rolling through and we were seeing cases go up within the province and the increase of the Delta variant um, and just hearing reports of other jurisdictions of how that's impacting, uh, especially young people, um, especially those who cannot be vaccinated, those kids who are under 12. Uh, we, When the, the announcement came mid-August, it said each school board can decide their own protocols. Um, basically, the government abdicated its responsibility of leadership there and said that boards were accountable and uh, can make their own decisions for that to uh, the people who are in their areas. And it's created a lot of confusion and anxiety. Well, it must be really confusing because for in so many areas of being a teacher, you just want some autonomy to just leave me the hell alone, mm-hmm. right? And then at the same, to, to not get involved politically or the government stuff. And then in other areas, you're like, okay, you got to throw us a bone here. So it's kind of uh, careful what you wish for, I suppose, in your world. How are the teachers doing? Well, and it's, it's, it's exactly it. I mean... When you have chaotic starts to the school year, it, it causes a lot of anxiety. And this would, you know, I've been president going, this is my third year being president of the association. And each year has been marred with some sort of chaotic start to the school year. Yeah, you year. picked and a it, great time to be president. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. It's, 
I, I keep saying to uh, the past president, I'm like, where did you leave the how to handle a pandemic handbook in the office? Because yeah. I oh, sure man. as hell can't find it right now. And he's like, well, sorry. And um, yeah, so I mean, a lot of these things too that we're, we're dealing with, we've never had to deal with them before. And so we've had to, you know, I've had to say to people a little bit of time and grace would be okay right now as we figure out exactly what is happening right now. But um, to have some guidance from the provincial level, especially around health protocols, would have been especially important right now because school boards then were left up to make their own decisions. And it's been unfortunate that, you know, some school boards have said, okay, well, we're going to keep a masking mandate in, in place because we've heard that masking will help prevent the spread of COVID within our buildings. Um, we're going to keep the other health protocols and they're seeing uh, protests outside their board offices from parents who don't want that or from other anti-maskers who don't want that. And I've never seen that in my career. I've never seen this kind of polarized divisiveness that we're seeing right now. And it's extremely unfortunate because we're dealing with kids who want to go to school and learn. And I yeah. think as the adults in the room, we need to make sure that we are getting the policies that keep the people who are working and learning in those buildings as safe as possible. And we need to get that right. And right now I, have, I don't think the government is getting it right. Well, yeah, I, at least with no leadership, I can almost handle the screwing it up by making the wrong decision, but at least make a decision. I, that, I mean, that's just my uh, look on it. I, and I would go even, I can even think I can one up you on the things of surprising is that I know that one of the schools that my kids goes to, there is a, an administrative person who was posting online mask exemptions forms. Say, just so you know, if you don't want to wear the mask, here's the exemption forms for the school district. And and publicly sharing that information just so people could choose to not wear a mask and, and not do that. And that must that must drive you crazy. Well, you know, it's it's this thing where that's why we we need this consistent leadership from the top. From government to say, this is what we're doing. This applies. And I know some people are like, well, we don't have a lot of COVID cases in our area. So why should that apply to us? Um, and I'm like, well, until we're out of the pandemic, we should all be doing things consistently because what we have in some areas are schools from different districts that are literally across the street from one another um, doing completely different things. And it just right. causes confusion. Well, yeah, I mean, and you could even go as far as if you really wanted to bait it, you could say that if it's some mega rural that has next to no cases, just give them a threshold and say, okay, you're good at least to this point or something. At least there's a, because then you're across the street situation goes away because your mm -hmm. community threshold would, at least there's something. I'm not saying it's black yeah. and white easy, right? Yeah. Um, are you able to lean? I don't even know this. Are you able to lean on the other provinces and your colleagues in other provinces? We broadcast in British Columbia and Manitoba and we sort of sandwiched Saskatchewan into into Ontario. Are you able to lean on on your colleagues elsewhere and say, "Hey, how are you managing this?" Yeah, part of my job is um, I sit on uh, the board of directors with the Canadian Teachers Federation, and the federation has um, all the provinces essentially the the teacher, whether they're unions or federations or associations like Alberta's, all belong to the teachers. Uh, the Canadian Teachers Federations, and we meet and have we're, we're meeting last year, sort of um, every two weeks, just to talk about our experiences of what was how, what was happening within our schools and COVID, and how it was affecting uh, teachers and students and families. And so, we do we we chat all the time about what's going on in BC, what's going on in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and and um, the frustrations that we have in Alberta. Unfortunately, are some of the same things that are happening in other provinces across the country. We're not alone. No. Definitely. 
I don't know if that's I don't know if that's comforting or if it isn't, right? I almost kind of want to feel like I hope someone's getting the help, right? Because they need to be like, well, we're the only ones we're getting the worst help, if you will. Uh, well, but we, then at the we, same time, you kind of want to be yeah. the same, you know, like I would hate for us to be getting this level of help and be better off than other places. Well, a really good example of this is, you know, BC was raising a lot of concerns for the BC Teachers Federation about this idea of cohorting last year when we were talking about cohorting, because it's kind of a medical term that was being applied to schools that was really difficult to to just figure out how that works. So by listening to uh, the president there talk about cohorting at the, the meeting actually prompted me to write down a bunch of questions to ask about cohorting when we got here. And so we, even though we're still sharing on issues and concerns, they're, they're help, we, we help each other sort of pick up uh, things that we could ask our own uh, governments and jurisdictions about what, uh, what are they doing about certain things. Jason Schilling is the president of the ATA, the Alberta Teachers Association. We're not alone in this when we talk about things teachers are going through. And we've heard an awful lot about uh, from our friends in Ontario about the back to school being so inconsistent there as well. But what are we forgetting, Jason? I had a couple of things I wanted to toss your way about things we forget mm-hmm. as humans who either our kids are, uh, you know, gone already, grown up, or they're just so young. Uh, here and here's a couple of things that I've come up with from the back to school this year that okay. everyone's forgotten about. Um, my daughter's school, there's been nobody in that school like that. That mass influx of people, the very first day back, toilets flooded. Oh. We don't think of that. Yeah, that's unfortunate, especially in right. elementary school. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so the toilets flood, and so because there hasn't been that many people flushing and running water and doing everything in so long that something happened, something didn't work, they fixed it, they're all good, but we don't think of that. Mm-hmm. Going to the other school, the Wi-Fi shut down. The first day that everyone comes back, tries to get on it, now the Wi-Fi is broken. Yeah. Getting into now, both kids in the high school are, are going to, they need their email addresses to get into their Google drives and do all their Googly things. And the IT department has been unable to provide all of the email addresses yet. These are must be incredible distractions. What are some of the other things that we don't think about like that, that have an impact on our kids' education? They're just real life things. There's no good or bad about it, but they do matter in the big picture of how did you learn your science today? Uh, well, no, dad, we were outside because the halls were had water in them, right? So um, there, there are other things we don't think about around back to school and COVID that impact elsewhere. Do you have any other ideas? Well, one of the things that we talked about as an association last year and again this year is looking at, um, with COVID particularly, uh, HVAC systems and air filtration systems that you have in school because, you know, COVID is airborne and there's there's things around that that need to be addressed within our buildings. And some of our schools are old. I mean, I went to, a, I taught in a school in the, south, the southern part of the province that's 70 years old around 60 years old, right? So I can open up all my windows in my English classroom, but I also teach drama. So when I get to my drama classroom and the, you know, the vice was open the windows if you can to get air circulating in your room. Um, I don't have windows in my drama room. So how do I get that air circulating? So it's things like that as we come back and we start thinking about the health protocols, um, things that we did last year that still need to be looked at this year as we move forward and getting school boards to move with that. The other thing that really came up when we did a lot of surveying of our members last year was the mental health aspect of um, you have to think when school was canceled in March uh, 2020, when everybody went to this emergency online teaching, it was kind of traumatic for a lot of people. 
right? Suddenly school was closed. We didn't go back. Um, we weren't sure when we were going to go back. And this was different across the country as well. So in Ontario, they kept saying, well, it's going to be for three weeks and then we'll all be back. And then it's going to be for four weeks. And we're all going it just, the date just kept getting pushed back in Alberta. Essentially it was, um, you guys are at home. We don't know when you're going back. And then at one point they said, yeah, we're not going back this year. That was hard because kids didn't get to say goodbye to each other. They didn't get to say goodbye to their teachers. They were struggling to meet and connect online. Um, you know, kids were really eager about the online thing as the novelty wore off. It was hard to get them to connect. So there's a mental health aspect of that as well. Coming back to school, um, you hear a lot of talk about the safety of school and all of these things. And that's hard for some kids too, who are nervous are coming back and uh, um, you know is school safe am I okay and everybody's working really hard to make sure that 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 they feel that way but we really have a big sort of mental health um, aspect of going back to school and we need to make sure that we're addressing that as well there are some good things that can come of this Mm -hmm. once we get through the COVID part you know hybrid learning of online and in school if someone has a sick day or isn't feeling well or has something to go on I mean there are some must be some amazing opportunities for um, those kids to be able to still stay at least somewhat connected as opposed to coming back a week later. Um, You know, Billy falls down, breaks his leg. The teacher can keep in touch and keep Billy in front of um, the classes differently. So there are some benefits here. Although I will tell you one drawback is, maybe it's a benefit. Uh, I know my kids learned how to read source code because then they could find answers on on forms by digging into the source code of the web pages. There Um, you go. So there you go. There's some positive learning, right? Well, I think, you know, I I remember when classes were first moved online, I actually said to the minister, I've said it a couple of times, um, we have a real opportunity because the pandemic really amplified um, the inequities in our system, the kids who didn't have access to Wi-Fi, the kids who, who might have been at home with their families and they had one computer and everybody was buying for it. Um, kids who are living in poverty and didn't have access to nutrition programs that they might have had at school. Like we have a real opportunity to address the things that are you know, the inequities in our system as we go back to normal, what things that were normal before probably shouldn't be normal again. You know, yeah. kids who don't have access to Wi-Fi, kids who are hungry, that shouldn't be the normal we go back to. We've got an opportunity to fix that and to change that. And um, it takes a little bit of uh, uh, political courage and will on government's part. It's going to take some funding, but I definitely know that, you know, the ATA and teachers are willing to work on those issues to make sure that school is better um, for the kids. And we also know that some kids, you know, kind of liked being at home, right? Mm-hmm. There may be, they, they, they adjust it really well to this online learning aspect. And so there's, there's lessons to be learned here. It's kind of hard to, to look at some of those lessons right now while we're still sort of, you know, eyeballs deep in the pandemic and just some days just trying to get through. Yeah. Well, and you hope everyone gets through it and comes through mm-hmm. with being healthy. What can, because our, our conversation is all across Canada, you are the president of the Alberta Teachers Association. So let's just take the, the, the teachers of Canada. What can we do? So we are a community of people who work at nighttime, right? All kinds of different jobs yeah. from airlines to driving to executives who get up early, um, late night managers, you name it. This show has such a variety of people listening. So we as Canadians, what can we do to support teachers? And I'm going to drill that down one last step, especially during COVID when there is so much lack of direction. 
I think one of the things um, to do is to, you know, definitely talk to teachers about the things that they see that are happening in schools and then turn around. And we all have this access to talking to our elected officials, our MLAs, our trustees about the things that uh, you're hearing from teachers and that are important in education, because it's, you know, education is a, is a benefit that affects all of us. A really strong public education system is a benefit to our society. We all need to see that. We all need to see um, strong schools and, and kids that are able to go to school and learn and have the things that they need for that. So talking to teachers about the things that uh, they see that's going on um, and then making sure that they can take that conversation to the people who make the decisions that help um, affect that. Well, if you want to fix the economy, fix the education. That's what I always say. Because it might take a generation, but at least it's going in the right direction, which is uh, really cool. Jason Schilling is the president of the ATA, the Alberta Teachers Association, with a look at everything that's going on. Uh, It's not easy. Holy moly, it's not easy. And it's not getting easier, it seems. A year and a half later, Jason, if we had said, you know, 18 months from now, can't wait till this gets easier. Yeah, Jake, right? Well, you know, I, I'm part of a, our provincial executive council. We've got 19 people that are on there that represent teachers from across the entire province. And I said to them at our meeting in June, just before um, our summer break, uh, where we thought we were going to be when we first met together in the fall of 2019 and where we are now in you know june 2021 which is one of our it's a term length is um extraordinary and uh the things that we've had to deal with and and stuff like that has been a really challenging year but i have to say that um the resiliency uh the creativity uh the 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 passion that my colleagues across alberta and even across canada have for public education and the way that they stepped up to do what they could for students during the pandemic i've never been prouder to be a teacher and i've never been prouder to be somebody to represent them well my sister's a teacher her husband's a teacher and I know how amazing teachers are. There, mm-hmm. there are special teachers that make this world go around. And there are normal people who also are teachers. But I can tell you, there are so many special teachers in the world. And I don't mean the ones like Mr. Wade in grade five in Port Alberni at McQuinna, who used to throw chalk brushes at us when we were talking out of turn. I mean the good teachers that you look forward to seeing. Um, Jason, thanks for being here. Uh, what's cooler? Um, English? Well, language arts, social, science, math. You got to pick one. One favorite, baby. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm an English teacher, right? A drama teacher by, you know, my degrees in drama, but I've always taught English. And, um, you know, I, I love language. I love, you know, just, I, I like, like words. I, you know, I like that. So I'll have to go with English. Perfect. My My, favorite thing ever to teach is Macbeth. Really? Yeah. I love to teach Macbeth. I just, I have this, I don't even know where I got it, but I somehow in my career, I acquired this little golden wooden sword. And so I always play the role of Macbeth. We always act it out because I think you need to act out plays and, and yeah. Shakespeare. And um, I always said, if we can get the science teacher across the hall to close her door, we've did a good job. I said, if we can get the science teacher to come across the hall and close my door, even better. We've done a really good job that day. And so, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We did Macbeth. I went to Redger College in the theater program and um, we did Macbeth there. So, yeah. It's one of my favorites. It. And there's so many themes in there that still too. apply to today. <laughs> there are, man. Boy, you talk about living in the, the fortune teller. My yeah, goodness. That's for sure. 
It's a thing of beauty. Well, thanks for the time and let us know how it goes. We're happy to support all the teachers across Canada, uh, not to mention here at home for me and my fellow Albertans, but all of the Canadian teachers need the same thing. So thank you, sir. You bet. Thank you. And to your listeners, stay safe. It's the Shift Podcast. It's time for us to take a little uh, look-see into our disco friend who has got his Bob the Builder pants on. Disco Andy. He's a big fan of the glow sticks in Vegas. Skipping with no shirt on. And he's also a big fan of uh, DIY gadgets and more. Andy, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Um, I see you've been up to no good in your uh, Bob the Builder worker pants. Well, you know, like most things, Shane, whenever I do a DIY project, I usually do two of them because the first one doesn't work out. And then I have to do another one to fix my first mistake. So that's what happened uh, with this latest video that I actually posted on the Shift Facebook group. And you could also get it on my website, handyandymedia.com. Basically, Shane, it was the first COVID DIY project I did. It seems like it was so long ago, but I tried to pour epoxy on this bar top that I made on my backyard deck. And the problem was it was in springtime and the weather was quite warm, but the temperatures dropped at nighttime. So the epoxy didn't cure properly. And it it was just a mess. I, I came the next day, I looked at it. It was like, it was just, it was like all cloudy and it just was not a, a good sight. So the next problem was how do I remove this epoxy to do it again? And it was very, well, no, I'm, I'm telling you, it was, it was like on it very, very thick and even like, you know, a sandpaper, nothing was taking it off. So I had to get really creative and that's what this latest video is. So you got to see it. If you want to learn how to remove epoxy from a bar top or a table that's really thick, you got to watch this video. I figured it out and it worked and I fixed it. I didn't use epoxy though, Shane. The next time I used the stuff called spar urethane and it looks like epoxy, but boy, is it easy to go on and uh, it looks great. Uh, we should maybe change the name of the blog from Handy Andy Media to like, screwed it up the first time. <laughs> Well, that's it's that's, honest though. It's real. I know, I know, but I'm trying to tell people, like you know, if you talk to Home Home Depot, they'll always be like, "Oh, DIY this, DIY that, buy oh, yeah. stuff, and, buy stuff." And, yeah, and you can do it. And we can help. But what they don't tell you is things don't always go as planned. And whatever kind of project, you know, you got you just got to be prepared to know that you might have to keep working if you want to fix it. It's hap- look, it happened with my blueberries. I just took them out today. I put them in the green bin. Did say you goodbye have a to here? Yeah. I did. I was a little sad, but I was like, you know what? I'm back. I'm going to f- build this automated watering system and then I'm going to go talk to my blueberry farmer friend, get mm-hmm. some more bushes. The weed <laughs> I'm it but it's a consistent theme. We talk about this almost every week of I try to fix something or build something it doesn't work out and then i learn how to like unbuild it or or take it apart and then build it back again and steal it from your neighbor um andy barrar just so if you don't know the story he did try to plant a little micro blueberry farm in his backyard and it all got fried and cooked and did not work at all so start over and here we go all right diy handy if you want to check it all out okay so september is uh 
which by the way, I want, wait, pause, pretend I didn't say that. Did you hoard it? Uh, your table, like put a tent around it to keep all the dust and wind from blowing stuff I on did. you, did I, eh? I did that. Like I did the proper thing where you create like, it's almost like a, like, you know, uh plastic all around it. Like yeah, it was a lot. Hoarding, of, hoarding just, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> it, yeah. it was a lot of work just to prep it and then to pour it. And then the temperature dropped and everything went wrong. And, um, you know, it was really sad because people came over and looked at it and I was really embarrassed and sad. But mm-hmm. I persevered and fixed it. And it looks great. If you see the video, you could see at the end the final result. I actually burned it with a torch. It was a mm-hmm. piece of plywood. And I got all the fibers and it's like this old Japanese method about burning wood. And um, I got really into it at the beginning of this pandemic. And it feels like it was a long time ago, I guess, because it was a long time ago. But um, yeah, you got to check it out uh, on my website, Handy Andy Media, and you can learn how to remove epoxy. The secret was using an angle grinder with a f- what's called like a flat uh, disc or a flat blade. Um, you could see it in the video and that stuff worked like a charm, but then I had to use a belt sander after that to smooth everything out. But lo and behold, it, it actually worked. So I was really, I'm going to really challenge impressed. you. Uh, there's a couple of, um, uh, Jeff Mack, uh, designs, uh, in and around Southern Ontario and Toronto. They do some amazing epoxy work. I'm going to send you one of those and you're going to, you're going to try and build live edge filled colored epoxy. I'm going to send it to you. It'll blow your mind. Okay. I would love to try that. Okay. Um, okay. September is National Preparedness Month. Um, how do we get prepared, Andy, when we've already killed off all the blueberries? Well, it's, it's, when they say National Preparedness Month, it's really to prepare ourselves in the event of an emergency, whether it's an earthquake or tornado, hurricanes, floods. We all know that we should have an emergency kit at home. And so basically what they try to do in September is remind everybody to build your emergency kit you know, have water, food, batteries, flashlights, like they did in the olden days. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, times have changed and what you put in your emergency kit has changed. And so on my website, I created a list of some products that you would want, high-tech products that you would want to carry, including a headlamp, believe it or not, that is rechargeable. So it has an LED light on the front. In case you got lost at the bottom of a gold mine. (laughs) <laughs> yes, but you know what's funny is I actually have this headlamp shade uh-huh. and I use it in my attic when I when I have to store stuff. And so I just keep it up there. So every time I'm in my attic, I put this headlamp on and it's such a great it, um They're amazing. Light. I had one camping, right? Because you go outside, it's nighttime, you, something's broken, it's not working on the trailer. So you put the headlamp on, you can walk around. That's and, genius. I think it's a great idea. Another another great thing that I have on my website that you can buy, and I actually have links to it so you can purchase it right from there, is a Alpen Glow Lantern. This is a high-tech LED lantern. It's not like the Coleman lanterns from before. Oh, this one you could one. actually – oh, they're great. And you, pump, you know what's amazing about those Coleman lanterns? They, they work forever. They'll never mm-hmm. die. But times have changed, and now you can get yourself a rechargeable LED lantern. And that's something else you want to put. Also, a solar panel. So if you find yourself, I don't know, outside for a long time, um, this is also great for camping. It's a solar panel that can power your phone and other gear that uses about five watts of electricity. So not the greatest amount of energy, but probably enough to charge your phone in the event of an emergency. 
Uh, one thing that I would like to contribute to this is I got a radio that has all kinds of different bands on it. it has a little solar panel. It's, I don't know, two inches by an inch. Has a crank on it so you can get it started. And then it has to be in like glaring sunlight. Like if you turn it up too loud and you're sitting on, I would take it to the beach and listen to music while I was on the beach on vacation. Put it right next to my ear. Like you can't have it loud. But even having those around are, are pretty, pretty amazing because there, there will be a day when everyone looks at AM radio and goes, damn, that was a good idea, that whole AM radio when there's an emergency. Yeah, AM radio. Um, I just hope it sticks around because, it, like you said, in the event of an emergency, that's typically where you go to get information. So uh, another thing that I had on this are power banks, but not just to charge your your smartphone and your tablet, but also your laptop. So these are heavy duty power banks because in the event that say the power goes out for an extended period of time, these things are super handy to have because you can keep your laptop, you know, powered up and perhaps even your internet if you need to connect that. But that's a whole other story depending yeah, on what kind all. of disaster you get into. HandyAndyMedia.com to go to the website. Andy Barrar is here. I'm Shane Hewitt. Thanks for uh, joining us here on The Shift. If you want to take a little look of what's going on in some of this conversation, Andy has shared one of his DIY videos at The Shift Radio Show Facebook group. You can see it on there or on his YouTube channel or his website as well. Okay, Facebook, speaking of which, who I don't trust at all with my privacy, um, they're slowly taking over the world like Dr. Evil. Now they want to see everything you see, Andy. That's right. Facebook, I can't believe they're doing this. Facebook is just announced a partnership with Ray-Ban to create and launch smart glasses that have two front-facing cameras on there to take pictures and videos. Now, unlike the Google glasses that came out in 2012, these ones look like your typical sunglasses, except they have cameras built in on each side. So you could be somewhere and someone might be wearing these and they could take pictures or a 30-second video um, just like that without, without, um, you know, without your consent. Okay, well, in public, if you're walking down the street, uh, that is legal. Um, if you're not in public, that is not legal at all. And if you were streaming it, that would be very, very different. Now, uh, Ryan has provided a photo. They look like normal Ray-Ban glasses with a couple of extra little eyeballs tucked in the corner. And they're also, they also have um, microphones and also speakers built in. So you could take calls with these glasses. You could listen to music with them. But the main thing is that you can basically see or record people at any point in time and they wouldn't know. Now, what Facebook did was put this little light on the on the front of it so that when you're recording it turns red. But here's the thing, Shane. There's not there's not nothing stopping someone from just putting little tiny stickers on those so that you can't see when they're recording. And the it doesn't disable if you cover it. So that I just don't understand has why Facebook didn't learn from what happened with Google Glass. Because I used to go to these tech events and I'd always see these guys wearing these Google glasses and we used to call them glass holes because you never <laughs> you never knew if they were if they were recording you or not. So anybody that gets these new Facebook glasses from Ray-Ban, which is available in Canada, I think it retails $300 US. So I'm not 369 no, Canadian. Okay, so 
you know, you could buy them, but if you wear them, I will call you a face hole because <laughs> I, I just don't want to be around people that are wearing those glasses. Okay. I'm trying to think of some positive places where this could work. I mean, you want to talk protests. You want to be a subtle reporter in a protest and document things. That would be great. If you wanted to do these when you're driving instead of the, the dash cam, that would be great. Although, I mean, it probably would not work in your favor if your video of your crash is you looking at your phone because you were looking down, not up. So there would be, there's got to be some ways to do this. I would just say there's some technology where humans aren't adult enough to have it, to not take advantage of it. These remind me an awful lot of on the back of the comic books when you were a kid, the x-ray glasses that you would, uh, you could order online. Which you knew weren't real, but you still kind of wondered, you know? It's kind of the same. Yeah, so I, I just don't know if society is ready for people to be walking around with, you know, glasses that can take pictures and videos. That That is a really slippery slope. And even though what, what Facebook is really trying to do is get us away from our phones so that we can engage with our phones without actually having to use our phones. So like taking video or taking calls without having to use our phone, we can just use the glasses. But at the same time, this whole notion, and I saw it with, with uh, Google Glass, people just did not feel comfortable being around people that are wearing them. And it gets even worse when you have sunglasses that people wouldn't even tell. Like if you're just walking down the street, you know somebody is going to use this for nefarious purposes. The, the early adopters who are getting this are not doing this because they want to create nice stories that they can post on Facebook. Um, they're, they're doing this for creepy, creepy reasons is why they would purchase it. Why do you have to hide the camera, I suppose would be the question, right? If you want to take videos of things, why do you need to hide the camera? I think what they what they learned from Google Glass is that it had to look like glasses, like your typical sunglasses. The Google Glasses look really geeky. They had a little camera thing on the side. Um, with this one, you can't even tell just by looking at it that it's smart glasses, that it has built-in microphones, speakers, and two cameras. And what's even... Another thing, Shane, is you can actually say, hey, Facebook, take a picture and you don't have to touch them and you can get pictures and videos. Oh, that's not OK. That's really not OK. So I guess what I don't understand with all of these things is, I mean, they're cool. It comes with, uh, you know, the, the charging case similar to AirPods and all that stuff. So that stuff's really neat. But there's, I just don't see anything good that comes of it. And I, do you take Ray-Ban into account on here? We got to just about 10 seconds though. But is this Ray-Ban's fault too? Uh, I think Ray-Ban's just trying to sell glasses. And so Facebook came up with this idea and they're like, sure, let's, let's try it and see if, uh, if it'll stick. Excuse the pun, but I'm not sure if it's a good look. Andy Barrar, handyandymedia.com. Thank you very much, brother. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.